Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. This is the NBC University Theater, presenting the fourth in a series of five radio plays based on great American stories. Tonight, our story is Noon Wine by Catherine Ann Porter, starring Beulah Bondi as Ellie Thompson. You hear that tune? You don't know what it is, do you? No way for you to know. I don't know either. Don't know when I first heard it, but now it runs in my head day after day. Seems like I can even share it in my dreams. Seems like I can't remember a time when I hadn't heard it. There was a time, though, if I think back... We lived on a farm in Texas, Mr. Thompson and me. Little dairy farm down in the hottest part of the state. But it was a nice little place. Had a good cold spring on the property. Only farm in the neighborhood that had that. But somehow things just didn't ever seem to go too well for us. I don't want you to think Mr. Thompson was to blame. There never was a finer man for paying his taxes regular and given toward the preacher's salary every year, even if he didn't always get to church, and doing his best about raising our boys. Maybe it's because i never been strong. I don't know. Somehow nothing ever seemed to go. Hi, Ellie. I'm back. I heard you drive in, Mr. Thompson. You're back early today. Oh, not any earlier than usual. Here, I'll get the rest of the water for you. I got about enough, I reckon. I declare that pump works harder than every day. Yeah, I've been meaning to get to that pump. Come on, let's go up to the kitchen. Too blame hot out here. Everything sell all right, market today? Well, mostly everything. Milk I got this morning didn't seem to taste so good. Don't know why that keeps happening. We got the best stock. I don't know. Must be something about the feed. Folks said the butter wasn't too good last week. Didn't seem like they wanted to buy much today. Want this water over here by the sink? Well, right there'll be fine. I noticed something a little funny about the butter I kept out for us to use, too. Uh, it's time the churn and the scoops were boiled out again. I'll try and do it tomorrow. Uh, Ellie, don't you go putting a hand to them things. You just sit and rest yourself. Oh, and when you're feeling better, you, you can... Well, it just seems like I never do feel better. Reckon I'm not much of a wife or a man. Now look here, old gal. You can shut up with that kind of talk. Guess I ought to be man enough to turn my hand to a woman's work. What about that? Well, it does seem like those hired men could do something once in a while. Uh, those no-count, low-down... I'm tired. Anything to eat? <laughs> You're as bad as those two boys of yours. 
Now, don't you go spoiling your supper. Here. I'll be ready as soon as the cornbread. Oh, uh, here they come. I never saw the beat of it. Don't see hide nor hair of them all day when there's work to be done, but quick as it comes, dinner time. Hey, Ma, supper ready? Quiet down, you two. I'm hungry. Where's supper? You'll get no supper till you get out that pump and wash your faces and hands. Oh, I ain't dirty. Me neither. Get a move on, you two, and mind your mother. Make Herb go first. He's littler. Make Arthur go. He's dirtier. Besides, I'll eat all the cornbread. Who's dirty, you dumbbell? I'll show you who's dirty. How you like Boy, Boys, now you stop you, that. You want a good whaling out of me? Oh, oh, the what? All over my clean floor. Now get out to the barn, both of you. I'll teach you to fight in your mother's kitchen. Now, Mr. Thompson, don't, don't, now don't hit them. They're only babies. Ellie, you can't let them get away with that. Well, please, Mr. Thompson. Go on, then. Get up to bed, you two. And no supper. But, Pa... Get, I said. Yes, sir. Come on, Mr. Thompson, you mustn't be so rough on the boys. Rough on them? Young hoodlums? Just look at this mess now. I was doing a man's work when I was their age. And I tell you, Ellie, I ain't going to have no useless boys on my hands. Or I'll know the reason why. That was the way things was. We didn't seem to do too well with anything. It was different, though, after Mr. Helton came. Just walked in off the road one day, and somehow everything was changed. Not right away, of course. First it was just we had a new hired man. I didn't see him when he come. I was laying down. Mr. Thompson was doing my work like always, churning the butter. He never did like to churn, and he did it kind of like he was driving a horse. <laughs> I could hear the churn a-swishing, and I heard the gate creak out in front, and after a minute, there was voices. Howdy, stranger. Can I do something for you? I need work. You need the man here? Work, huh? Well, sit down. Maybe we can make a deal. I'm a good man. Well, I can use one. I had a couple, but they got in a scrape and landed in jail. Where'd you work last? North Dakota. North Dakota? That's a right smart distance off, ain't it? They do everything on the farm. Cheap. They need work. That's so. Well, um, Thompson's my name, Mr. Royal Earl Thompson. Helton. Olaf Helton. Well, uh, what I want to know is, Helton, how much you fixing to gouge out of me? I'm a good worker. They got a dollar a day. What? 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 Why, for that money, I'd hire out myself. Where'd you make a dollar a day? North Dakota. Wheat fields. Well, this here's a dairy farm. And just one man to another, I don't make any more than a dollar a day myself. No, sir. We get along a lot less How than... How much? Well, now, I... I paid them other fellas seven dollars a month for the two. But I'll tell you what. I'll give you seven dollars yourself. And you can eat at the table with us and be treated like one of the families, the fella said. That's all right. I take it. It's a deal, ain't it? Um, where'd you say you worked last? North Dakota. Well, one place as good as another, I reckon. You're a foreigner, ain't you? I'm a Swede. <laughs> a Swede? Well, I'll be darned. I've never seen any Swedes in this neck of the woods. That's all right. I might even say you're the first Swede I ever laid eyes on. Well, that's all right. A Swede? <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, you might as well start in with that churn. You know what to do with butter after you get it, don't you? And no butter business. Well, 
I'll be going along then and tell Miss Thompson you're here. Ellie? Oh, Ellie, you sleep? No. What's all the noise out there? Your head feel any better? Oh, I don't know. What is it out there? The fella says he's a Swede. Says he knows how to make butter. Oh, well, I hope it's the truth. Ah, don't you fret. He'll finish up the butter anyway. Well, I'm going to ride in town and get a little order of groceries. All right, Mr. Thompson. Now, don't you linger now. <laughs> don't know what you're talking about, Ellie. You do, too. Don't you be going to the hotel. Now, Ellie, a couple of little drinks never hurt nobody. I never took a drink in my life, and what's more, I never will. Oh, wasn't talking about women. Now, Mr. Thompson. Uh, you just lie right there and go to sleep, Ellie. I'll be back before you know it. Uh, now, you just remember what I said, Mr. Thompson. You remember... in the kitchen. Herbert, Arthur, don't you try to run away. Oh. Gee, Ma, I didn't mean to wake you up. Wake me up. You know I don't want you eating between meals. And now you had to go and break the lid on my best cookie jar. Oh, Ma, I'm sorry. Well, I just ought to tell your father on you, that's what. I was hungry. Well, all right, here. Take your cookies, as long as you're at it. And hey, Ma, it... listen. What's that? Hmm? What's Sounds like somebody's playing tune on a harmonica. Look, out there. I see him. Down by the shack there. Well, will you look at that? Sitting there big as life in the middle of the afternoon. Must be that new hired man your father took on. He's funny looking. Think your father said he was a sweet. Now, if that ain't just like him, gets rid of a couple of no accounts and gets another one to take the place. He plays good. What's he playing? Plays well, Arthur. I'm sure I don't know what it is, but he's got no business playing at all with the work to be done. You come along with me down to the spring house. I just want to see what he's done with that butter. Hey, Ma, what'd you say he was? A Swede. What's that? Well, somebody from Sweden. Where is that? Oh, long way off. I don't know, and I don't care. I'm just going to speak to that fella if nothing's done. Go on in the spring house. Now, watch out for that door. It's getting ready to fall up. No. Looks like it was fixed. Well... I declare, so it was. Well, I wonder when your father had... Well, let's have a look. Hey, look at the butter. There's a lot of it. And the cream is all skimmed. He's got a barrel of buttermilk. And when you look here, he's gone and scalded out the moles. Well, heavens knows when that's been done. I do believe he's gone and swept the floor. Nothing wrong, Ma? Well, blessed if I can see a thing left to do. Arthur, you get along and find her, but I'm going to have a word with the man. All right, Ma. Herb! Hey, Herb! I'd been all ready to scold him, poor man, and all that good, clean work done in no time at all. I went over to the shack, kind of looking at him. Tall fella, bony kind of face and hair like straw. Skinny, too. Didn't look very strong. He never looked at me. Uh, how do, sir? I'm Miss Thompson. M. Helton. I want to tell you, you've done real well in the milk house. That's all right. It's always been a hard place to keep, and I don't know when anybody's had it so clean. Not hard. Well, you must have worked on a dairy farm before. I hope you'll stay with us, Mr. Helton. That's a real pretty tune. Most folks don't seem to get much music out of a harmonica. 
I see you got five of them in there on the shelf. Must be mighty fond of music. Mr. Thompson used to play an old accordion we had, but the boys broke it up. What you say? Oh, you know how little boys are. You better set those harmonicas up higher. They'll be after them. <laughs> uh, Mr. Hell, look out you don't fall. There. They won't get them now. That'll do, I guess, up there under the roof. Well, it'll be time for dinner. We usually have cornbread, except on Sundays, Mr. Helton, and there's plenty of good butter and cream. That's a blessing. What do you like to eat? I eat anything. Well, I'll call you when it's ready, then. I say, I'll call you when supper's ready, Mr. Helton. Supper's nearly ready. Here's playing Indian, Ma. Well, you play later. Your pa'll be right in. Y'all washed. You know what'll happen if you ain't. Yes, we're washed. Hey, Ma, when can I see the big Swede? Arthur says there's a big Swede. Now, you stop talking like that about Mr. Helton. Hey, Ellie, I took a look around. That Swede sure is grinding out the labor. Supper nearly ready, old girl. You smell like a topa, Mr. Thompson. <laughs> you can sit down. Arthur, will you call Mr. Helton for supper? Hey, Helton! Supper's ready! Big sweet. Now, that's no way to act. You go on out there and tell him decent. Do like your ma says. You call. Well, that was quick. Sit right there, Mr. Helton. Come on, you two hoodlums. Yes, yes, sir. Lord, for all these and my other blessings, we thank thee in Jesus' name. Amen. Herbert, I didn't touch it. You did so? Now, Mr. Helton, take some beans, and there's plenty of ham and cornbread. Corn's coming up pretty good, Helton. Did you notice? Weather's getting mighty hot here about, Mr. Helton. Hope it won't be too much for you. Well, you didn't take much bread, Mr. Helton. There's plenty. I got enough. I got enough. Arthur, you shut up. Say, Helton, <laughs> funny thing happened at the hotel today. There's an old goat hangs around there, and a couple of boys fed him a bucket of beer. <laughs> well, sir, it hit him just like he was a man. He run around to you to swore he was going to kick the bucket. <laughs> that was pretty funny, huh, Ellie? Now, Mr. Thompson, you know what I think of that story. You see, Helton, that's the way women are, like the feller says. Mr. Helton, you're not finished already. Well, won't you have more? Good night, Mr. Helton. Good night. Good night. Good night. No, no, this way. Good night. <laughs> now you stop that making fun of a poor man. I tell you, Ellie, they're nothing but heathens. Now get to bed, you two. Go on, before I take the hide off you. All right, we're going. Come on, Herbie, I'll race you. Oh, you shouldn't pick on them, Mr. Thompson. Well, who's picking? we got to raise them. Say, Ellie, you know, that, that Swede's about the closest mouth feller i ever seen. Must be afraid of your crack his jaw. Well, maybe it's good to have a man keep his mouth shut. <laughs> Let you do the talking, huh, gal? <laughs> Only thing is, he don't eat enough. I like to see a man relish a good meal. My grandma used to say... And tell you the truth about your grandma. She just said the first thing come into her head and called it God's wisdom. Well, she wasn't anybody's fool, Mr. Thompson. <laughs> Morning, Helton. Morning. 
Oh, so you get the milk and almost done. You know, that's a job I never liked. Cows, I don't know. They got such dumb faces. They like cows. Well, that's good. Glad to hear it. Well, come on, finish up your milking. Breakfast's about ready. They already had breakfast. When? What'd you eat? Five o'clock. Bacon. Coffee. Well, that ain't enough for a man. You mean to say you made your own breakfast? That's woman's work. Work won't wait on woman. Work is work. You know, Helton, maybe you've got an idea. <laughs> yes, sir, Helton, like the fella said, maybe you've got something there. Say, Helton, keep an eye on the place, will you? i got to go into town and get some feed. Don't buy feed. I got a bin full of old corn saved up. Be enough. Don't buy feed. What's this picture you give me, Helton? Cheese press. They sell it in the mail order house. You buy this. What for? It's a good thing. You buy this, I make cheese. Cheese is good to sell. Say, Helton, what's become of that old rake I had laying around? In my shack. No go this way. I fix it. Well, Ellie, I went and asked Mr. Helton if he wanted to go to church with you on Sunday, like he said. What did he say, Mr. Thompson? What do you think? Says Sunday's like any other day. He's got work. <laughs> I tell you, Ellie, that fellow's a working fool. <laughs> hey there, Jim. Another whiskey for old McClellan here. Yeah, now, no, I ought to be getting home. Sure, I know. I'll catch it from Ellie, too. But one more won't hurt you. It's on me. You too, Tom. Hey, mighty fine-looking lot of eggs you brought to town this morning, Thompson. Yeah, I was nosing, too. You got no more hens than we have. What's the trick? Well, you know, boys, man takes good care of his stock and his poultry. Bound to shore. <laughs> Well, here's how. Yeah, Down the hedge. Boy, one of you boys was around the other day. <laughs> Funniest thing happened you ever saw. A yeah. couple of us fed some beer to that old goat that hangs around here, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish you could have seen the way that old goat kept running around and around. Nice out here this evening, ain't it, Mr. Thompson? Sure is, Ellie. But I never thought I'd have nothing so fancy as a swing on my front porch. <laughs> oh, now you hush. You don't mind sitting in it, I notice. It's real pretty. Well, you look real pretty yourself, old gal. <laughs> Mr. Thompson, I do not. Well, I say you do. Say, Ellie, you know, I've been thinking. We got a little extra in the bank now. Ain't about time you was buying yourself a fancy new dress. Oh, I got no need for one, Mr. Thompson. Sure you do. I got the finest looking wife in the county, and I aim for folks to know it. A dress. And one of them, them flimsy things. You remember that blue thing you had when you was teaching Sunday school before we was married? Oh, I declare. Y'all is like that dress. But I never thought you remembered it. Why, that was a long time ago. Not so long as all that. Guess Helton's got all the chores done. I'll give him another raise in pay today. 
Did he ask for it? Oh, you know he don't ask. There'd be too many words for him to talk. I'll just give it to him. Well, heaven knows he's worth it. He sure is. I don't mind letting him know I appreciate it. I reckon he'll buy a new harmonica. <laughs> he's got ten now. Ten? Mm, I had to go down the shack the other day, and I seen him. Well, you'd think with all that he could learn one new tune. <laughs> just one. Well, it's funny. But I don't even notice him playing that anymore. Seems like, oh, just seems like it's a part of him. It was in the third year Mr. Helton was with us that something happened. Kind of worried me for a while, and then I forgot about it. I'd been down in the garden patch pulling up some carrots and beans for dinner. The vegetables grew wonderful, the way Mr. Helton kept the patch weeded and manured the soil every fall. But it was when I was walking back up the house, I saw what frightened me. I didn't know what to do. So I just went on, slow-like, up to the house. Time I got there, the two boys were sitting close together up against the wall. I shooed them into the kitchen. Mr. Thompson was there. Come on now, you two. Get right in there and give me a hand with dinner. All right, Ma. I'm coming, Ma. Arthur, you take these carrots and scrape them, and mind you get them clean. All right, Ma. Where's the knife? All right, where it always is. Of course, Herbert, you take these beans and break them up. And now, don't make them so small this time. Do it right. I'll try, Ma. Never heard you two jump to mind like that. What you been up to? Nothing, Pa. You sure about that? Honest, Pa, nothing. Arthur, you still fussing with those carrots? Go on out and wash them under the pump. Herbert... You go get an armload of wood. I'll do it right What's the matter with them? They got awful polite all of a sudden. Well, I got something to tell you, Mr. Thompson. The boys... Uh... Those young hoodlums, what'd they do this time? Well, I don't know. But I was coming up from the garden just now, and I seen Mr. Helton with the boys. And what about him? Well, he took the two of them, one at a time, and he gave them each a shaking like I never saw. Well, do them good. Probably bothered him while he was working. Well, I don't know, Mr. Thompson. It was his face that frightened me. He, well, he just looked like he was going to kill them both. Oh, now, Ellie, you're making that part mm. up. Why don't you ask him what they'd done? Well, I don't like to do that. They might lie to me, and then I'd have to punish them. Well, be if that ain't just like a woman. Well, I'll find out what they'd done fast enough. Where are you going? Down to Helton's shack. Hey, you, Arthur. Herbert, you get in that kitchen. Don't you move till I get back, you you? Yes, Ma. Oh, dear. Here's the wood, Ma. Well, don't stand there with it. Put it over in the wood box. I declare, I don't know what's the matter with you boys. I do my level best with you. But it just does seem like you get sillier all the time. Now, can you get it over to the wood box? Arthur, while Herbert's sweeping the floor, you peel me some onions. About, uh, oh, five or six big ones. Now, get busy. Yes, and... Where's those kids? Oh, you wait till I finish with you, you little brat. Mr. Thompson, what is it? Helton says they've been fooling with his harmonicas, Ellie. Blew in them and got them all dirty and full oh. of spit, and they don't play good. Did he say all that? Doesn't seem possible. Well, that's what he meant, anyway. And I'm going to tie in there, tan their hides for them. Now, you better let me do it, Mr. Thompson. You haven't got a light enough hand for the children. Well, you don't half-whip them, Ellie. That's what's wrong with them. Now, what do you got to say for yourself, you two? You ought to get a good thrashing. You know that, don't you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
And the next time I catch you hanging around Helton's shack, I'll take a strap to both of you. You hear me? Yes, sir. yes. Now, here comes Mr. Helton in for supper, and I want you both to apologize the nicest you know how. No nonsense now. Come on in, Helton. These young tadpoles got something to say to you. Go on, Arthur. Herbert. Well, <clears throat> they want to say, Mr. Helton, that they didn't mean to spoil your harmonicas. They're, well... They're sorry. They went into your shack, and they'll never do it again. Uh, they know they've been bad, and they want to apologize. Now, go on, you two, say it. I'm sorry, Mr. Helton. Me too, Mr. Helton. That's all right. By the time I went to sleep that night, I'd about figured out that what really scared me was the idea Mr. Helton might go away. I just couldn't think at all of what we'd do with him gone. You are listening to the NBC University Theater, starring Beulah Bondi in a one-hour dramatization of the Catherine Ann Porter story, Noon Wine. Now you will hear from Mr. Clifton Fadiman, distinguished literary critic and master of ceremonies for information, please. Speaking from New York, Mr. Fadiman. Whom do writers write for? Do you think Will Shakespeare wrote to please Will Shakespeare? Or did he write to please the people who paid their money to crowd into the Globe Theater at the opening of a new melodrama called Hamlet? Or did Shakespeare write for posterity? Or, this is another possibility, did he write simply because he couldn't help it, the way a spider spins a web or a bee secretes honey? Now, maybe he wrote for all of these reasons, and maybe he wrote for still another reason. To please other writers, men more or less of his own kidney. I think of this last reason whenever I think of the work of Catherine Ann Porter. Miss Porter is one of our country's finest writers, and also one of the least known, although the two circumstances are not necessarily connected. Now, I don't know whether Miss Porter writes to please herself. I don't know whether she writes to please posterity. But I do know that she has aroused the admiration of other writers, of men and women who know how hard it is to write even clearly, much less to write really well. Now, it's by no means a bad thing to be a writer's writer, as it's called. A writer's colleagues, perhaps, are a kind of contemporary posterity. At any rate, among other writers, Miss Porter's reputation is as solid as the foundations of the Empire State Building. Or perhaps this being the atomic age, I might venture to say somewhat solider. It's based, nevertheless, this reputation, on very few books, three or four in all, of which two, Flowering Judas and The Leaning Tower, 
are collections of short stories, the form of which she's a master. The long tale, Noon Wine, which we are now hearing in a dramatized version, is one of three short novels brought together in a single volume. It's a story which, despite certain wry, humorous overtones, has violence and brutality as its base. And yet, after you've listened to it, I think you'll find yourself remembering not the violence and the brutality, but the characters themselves. Mr. and Mrs. Thompson and Olaf Helton are so simply yet so perfectly conceived. They're so fatally linked by a destiny imposed upon them, not, it would seem, by Miss Porter's art, but by the dumb drives and forces in their own hearts. Catherine Ann Porter has the ability to create by suggestion. She makes us sense more than she tells. The apparent content of her stories has less dimension than her real subject matter. Her very sentences and paragraphs reverberate quietly in the mind. Another quality distinguishing her short stories from the work of many of her fellows is that they've been thought out in advance. Now, that remark isn't quite as pointless as it may sound because so much contemporary American fiction seems to bear the stamp of improvisation. Miss Porter, on the other hand, calculates her effects, which isn't to say that she gives the effect of calculation. I mean merely that she doesn't waste a word, and each word has a purpose. And I suppose that's simply saying that her stories stand up as small works of art. James Joyce, the author of Ulysses, had a simple but, to my mind, quite profound way of saying of an author whose work he was unable to admire, but it's not really written. Now, in this sense, Miss Porter's stories seem to me written. You may not care for them, but you'd be hard put to it to think of any other way in which they could be composed. They're final. I hope Catherine Ann Porter will become better known to more Americans, for she's an American product of which we can be truly proud. In a moment, our story continues from Hollywood. Meanwhile, we pause briefly for station identification. And then, well, I can't rightly say just how it happened. It started on a hot day in August. The dust was everywhere. Even though Mr. Helton sprayed down the front yard with a hose every evening. Mr. Thompson was dozing on the front porch when the man drove up. I seen him out the window, sort of a fat man with a mean kind of a face, not the kind you'd make take to at all. I just wondered what anybody'd be hiring a rig and driving out for a day like that. But then I didn't pay no attention. It was just too hot. Hey there. Oh, oh, I do say. I must have dozed off. <laughs> well, a man's got a right to do that day like this. You Mr. Thompson, Mr. Royal Earl Thompson? That's my name. Well, Hatch is my name, Mr. Homer T. Hatch, and I'd just like to have a little talk with you. It won't cost you a cent. Guess that's fair enough. Why don't you sit down right here and tell me your business? I don't want to hurry you, but we got our chores to do. Uh, well, now, Mr. Thompson, fact is I'm looking for a man named Helton, Olaf Eric Helton from North Dakota. If you got him here, I wouldn't mind having a little talk with him, if it's all the same to you. I don't know his middle name, but he's right here. Nine years now. 
Mighty steady man. You can tell anybody I said so. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear he settled down and mended his ways. Well, if you want to speak to him, I'll go round him up. Oh, no hurry, no hurry, no hurry. A few minutes don't make no difference. <laughs> well, you got any business with him, he'd like to get it over with. He don't dawdle any. That's him playing that tune now. Now's your time. Still playing that, is he? Mm-hmm. Know it like the palm of my own hand. Never heard him say what it was, though. Yeah, that's a kind of Scandahoovian song. Sing it a lot up in North Dakota. Says something about feeling so good in the morning you drink up all your liquor before noon. Uh, all the liquor you were saving for lunch. <laughs> it's a kind of a drinking song. Well, Mr. Helton don't drink. Plays that tune, though, eh? Yes, sir. Played it 15 years ago in North Dakota. Used to play it in the asylum when he wasn't in the straitjacket. What's that you say? Ah, shucks. Now I didn't mean to tell you. <laughs> what I say is if a man's lived harmless for nine years, it don't matter if he is loony. You mean they had him in an asylum? That's where they had him. That is till he busted out and disappeared. And now I come along and find him here. Well, he don't act crazy to me. He acts like a sensible man. Saves his money. Well, if he's crazy, I think I'll go crazy for a change. <laughs> That's a good one, that is. Yes, sir. Let's all go crazy and save our money, eh? That ain't what I said. And about this Mr. Helton, I got nothing against him because he went loony once or twice. And I don't aim to take no steps about it, neither. Well, if a man don't care who he associates with... I'd like to see anybody hiring a lunatic around North Dakota after what he done. What'd he do? Oh, nothing to speak of. Had a brother was courting a girl. Brother borrowed Helton's harmonica one night to give her a serenade and lost it. Helton run him through with a pitchfork and killed him. Just like that. They was going to give him the works, but they found out he was crazy, so they put him in the asylum. Now, you don't want to see lunatics at large, do you? Well, as the fellow says, circumstances alter cases. Now, this Helton... This Helton, he's kept my record from being 100%. Fact is, I must have rounded up 20-odd escaped lunatics past 12 years. Of course, I don't do it for the reward, but it does get to be quite a tidy sum, all told. Ain't you got none of your business anywhere else but here? Well, I just undertook to help out, like you might say. Might never have caught up with him, but you know what he did? What? Well, sir, about two weeks ago, his old mother gets a letter from him, and what's in it but a check for $850 just like that. <laughs> well, the old lady's getting kind of childish. I tell you, that letter made her so happy, it looked like she clean forgot her son had killed his brother and went loony. Letter said he was getting on all right, and for her not to tell nobody, but naturally she couldn't keep it to herself. That's how I come to know. <laughs> you could have knocked me down with a feather. Yeah, that must have been quite a nice surprise for you, Mr. Hatch. Well, knowing the family and all, the old lady was for coming right out here and see her son, but I told her I'd make the trip just for my expenses and tell her all about him. <laughs> Ain't that a hot one? Yeah, that's hot, all right. <laughs> and now, just what you aiming to do? Well, I don't want any violence. I got the handcuffs, and I figure the two of us can overpower him easy enough. Well, I tell you what I figure, mister. Hmm? I figure that's a pretty dirty job you got, and this here, my property. And you can just get yourself off it quick, you understand? Oh, no, no, look here, Thompson. Get moving. All right, I'll get moving, but I'll be right back here tomorrow. And my advice is you better give this a little thought. Uh, yes, sir, a little thought. Oh, that 
dirty, rotten. I heard you talking to someone out here, Mr. Thompson. Who was it? Well, it wasn't nobody, Ellie. Just a fella stopped in off the road. But it sounded like you was arguing. What did he... I, I told you, Ellie, it wasn't nobody. You won't see him around no more. I, I don't want to hear no more about it. Mr. Thompson, you oughtn't to have something on your head chopping wood in this hot sun. Ah, don't you fret, Ellie. I'm just about through. Then I'm going to have me one of them cold bottles of beer out of the icebox. But look, if they don't come, that same fellow was here yesterday. Ellie, you get on in the house. But I thought you said... I do like I tell you, get on in the house. I see you're getting the work done, Mr. Thompson. <laughs> That's what I told you yesterday to get off my property and stay off. Now, look here, Thompson. I gave you time to think. Now, maybe I kind of threw you off yesterday, but a man like yourself ain't going to stand in the way of getting an escaped lunatic back where he belongs. I tell you, Helton ain't crazy, and he's staying here. Now, listen, Thompson. If you won't help me, I'll get help somewhere else. Well, get it where you want, only get out. Why, you you going to let me take him or ain't you? No, I ain't. Now, you get off this place or I'll turn you over to the law. Uh, you just try it. I'll tell him... Get you... off or I'll knock you down. You keep away from me, Thompson. I, I've i got a knife. Are you going to get out of here? I'm going to get help. You leave him alone. You put that knife down, they kill you. There you are. Help, stay away from me. You're crazy lunatic. Get out with that knife. No, I got you. Dirty. Oh, God. Hatch. Hatch. Get up. Get up and get out of here. Mr. Thompson, Mr. Thompson. Ellie, Ellie, he killed Helton. Mr. Thompson, what is it? What's happened? Oh, oh, who? Who is this man? He killed Helton, Ellie. I had to knock him out with the axe. But, but there goes Mr. Helton. I see him. He's clear off there. He's running away. He killed Helton. I saw it. He killed him with a knife. I had to knock him out. But now, I won't come too. Ellie, he won't come too. Mr. Thompson covered up the, the man with a piece of wagon canvas and rode into town for the sheriff. When he got back, he came to our room and he told me what I was to say. Never been a time before when I couldn't tell the truth to anybody. But Mr. Thompson told me what I was to say. And I said it. Ain't that right, Ellie? You seen the whole thing, didn't you? What? Come on, Ellie. Tell Mr. Burley. He's my lawyer. He's got to know everything. Now, you came out of the house, Mrs. Thompson, and you saw Mr. Hatch go after Mr. Helton with a knife. Yes, yes, that's right. Mr. Thompson was just trying to save Mr. Helton's life. I saw it all. But I tell you, Mr. Burley, I wasn't going to kill him. I only wanted to keep him off Helton. I only meant to knock him down. And yeah, that'll be pretty hard for the jury to swallow, Thompson. You hit him with the axe, didn't you? Well, I, I guess I did, but I, I tell you, I, I can't remember. All I know is... Well, never mind that. 
Hatch didn't have any right on your property. If he had any scores to settle with help... Well, he, he should... was coming to take him because he was a lunatic, and he wasn't no lunatic. You can't say that. You'll have to say you didn't know what Hatch was there for. Well, why? Well, it won't do your case any good for the jury to know that you knew that man was crazy. Not after the way he acted. Oh, poor Mr. Helton. He was so good, so quiet. Well, from the way the sheriff told me, there wasn't anything quiet about him, Mrs. Thompson. Ran through those woods like a maniac, picked up rocks and tried to brain every man that came near him. But did they have to... They didn't mean to hurt him, but they had to catch him. Maybe never would have got him, but he... Well, he stopped to pick up a couple of harmonicas that fell out of his pocket. Can you imagine a man thinking about harmonicas at a time like that? Him, I can't. They tried to go easy on him, but... Well, he was hurt too bad already. He... He couldn't live. Now, nobody's going to believe he was as quiet as you say for nine years... So you just don't say one word in that trial without I tell you. But I gotta tell him. You don't gotta tell him anything. You plead not guilty and I'll do the rest. I promise you, Thompson, in a couple of weeks, you'll have forgotten all about it. Tell the court once more, Mr. Thompson. Just what you thought you saw the deceased, Mr. Homer T. Hatch, do. Think nothing. I tell you, I seen that Hatch put that knife into Mr. Helton's belly and rip it up like slitting a sow. Then how do you explain the fact that when this Helton was caught, there wasn't a knife scratch on him anywhere? Oh, I, I don't explain it. I'm just telling you what I see. As representative of the family of the murdered Mr. Hatch... I object to the use of that term. Sustained. The deceased, Mr. Hatch. I suggest to the court that Mr. Thompson, who says he saw Helton wounded with a knife when we know there was no wound, is himself pretending lunacy, just as he pretends ignorance of the fact that this Helton, whom he allowed to endanger the Commonwealth for nine years, was a dangerous maniac. I object. Sustained. Stick to the facts. Your witness, Mr. Burley. Mr. Thompson, the day before the unfortunate accident, you'd put Mr. Hatch off your property in a peaceable manner and warned him to stay off. That's right. And the very next day, he again trespassed on your property and assaulted you and your hired man. That's right. And you merely defended your rights, your life and Helton's life against Mr. Hatch. But I didn't mean to... Thank you, Mr. Thompson. I asked the court to recall Mrs. Ellie Thompson. Mrs. Ellie Thompson, Mrs. Ellie Thompson, take the stand. Now, Mrs. Thompson, will you tell the court once more what you saw on the day of the accident? <clears throat> I heard him shouting. I come out of the house. I seen Mr. Hatch go up to Mr. Helton with a knife. Mr. Thompson was only trying to save Mr. Helton's life. Thank you, Mrs. Thompson. That will be all. It will be clear to the court that the defendant, Mr. Royal Earl Thompson was clearly within his rights and acted as any one of us would have acted in defending the man's life with the first weapon that came to his hand. Therefore, I... I kept saying what I was supposed to say. 
that I'd seen the whole thing and that everything Mr. Thompson said was true. But I keep seeing the faces of my boys sitting there in the front row. And then, after it was all over, Mr. Thompson couldn't leave it alone. If only he'd left it alone, we might have made out somewhere. Pass the chicken over this way, will you, Art? Yeah, sure, Herb. You want some more, Mom? No, thanks, Arthur. How about some more for the old man? Oh, excuse me, Paul. Here you are. Ellie, that Mr. Burley, that lawyer, he didn't do right by me. Hey, watch out, Herb. You're going to knock over your coffee. Ellie, he never let me say anything. He made it sound like I... Like I killed that fellow on purpose. Oh, stop talking about it now, Mr. Thompson. But what are folks going to think? Well, we'll just have to hope folks forget about it. Uh, they ain't going to forget nothing. They'll be calling me a murderer. That's what they'll be doing. They'll look at you boys and say, your father's a murderer. Leave us out of it, will you, Pa? They're the murderers. They're the ones who chased Mr. Helton through the woods and killed him. Now you can talk, Mr. Thompson. If only you'd talked when that man was here. Just talked instead of killing. Poor Mr. Helton would be sitting right here. Right down at the shack, playing his tune. That's the way you think, is it? Well, what can I expect from the neighbors when my own wife turns against me? I ain't turning against you, Mr. Thompson. I ain't. Leave it alone, Pa, can't you? You had a fair trial. You got off, didn't you? What's the sense of talking about? Well, it wasn't no fair trial when a man can't get up and say he didn't mean what he done. People got to know. I got to tell them. You won't do no good, Pa. You'll just mix the whole thing up worse than ever. Well, I'm going to tell them. And Ellie... You're going with me and tell him You to. can't do that tomorrow. You stay out of this. But I didn't see nothing, Mr. Thompson. Well, don't say that. Don't, don't never say that. You know I didn't kill him on purpose, don't you? Don't you? Of course I know it. Well, then that's just as good as seeing it. That's all folks have to know. Like I say, McClellan, me and Ellie were just driving along this way. We thought we'd stop in like this. Well, mighty thoughtful of you, Thompson. Sure you wouldn't like a glass of beer, Miss Thompson? Oh, no, thank you, Mr. McClellan. Mighty good. Now, you was at that trial, McClellan, but I just feel like I, I want to make something clear in folks' minds. Well, it's all clear to me, Thompson. Well, you know, I, I killed a man, but... But you folks know I wouldn't do a thing like that. Sure, Thompson, sure. I know how you feel. If you don't believe me, ask my wife here. She saw it. She'll tell you. That's right, Mr. McClellan. I seen the whole thing. Mr. Thompson told the real truth. Well, now, what makes you think I wouldn't take your word on it, Thompson? Didn't you swear on it at the trial? Yes, sir. You had a fine, fair trial. Thompson. Hey, how are you, Miss Thompson? Well, thanks. Howdy, Tom. Hey, Sally. On up. And Thompson's here. <clears throat> Tom, I I reckon you happen to know I I had some trouble lately. 
Not the kind of thing happens to a man every day in the years, the fellow says. And there's, there's some things I don't want no misunderstanding about in folks' well, minds. Well, howdy, folks. But I ain't seen you since... Thompson the... here, come tell us about Sally. My wife will tell you. Ask my wife. She won't lie. It's true. Mr. Thompson didn't... Well, now, we don't mix much of these murder matters. Like that, you come to give us a straight over, though. Everybody's surely shooting their heads off. Now, of course, we don't hold with killing. The Bible says... Shut that... your trap and keep it shut. Now, Thompson, he sure looks to me... We mustn't linger, Mr. Thompson. Yeah, that's right. We we can't stay. We'll we be going now. we got a, a long way to, to go. <laughs> was there, Ellie. You saw it, didn't you? Yes, that's the truth. Mr. Thompson was trying to save Mr. Hilton's life. Just ask my wife. She won't lie. Well, I, I'd be glad to have you come in, folks, but you see my wife's sister. She's here with a raft of young ones. house is pretty full, that's a fact. Uh, I've been meaning to get up to your place one of these days. <laughs> sure, sure glad you dropped around. Them folks always was fair weather friends. Let's go home, Mr. Thompson. Let's go home. We seen them all, and it wasn't no good. There was a time when I thought I had neighbors and friends. There was a time when we could hold our heads up. There was a time when my husband hadn't killed a man. And I could tell the truth to anybody about anything. Ellie. Ellie. You sleep, Ellie? No, I'm awake, Mr. Thompson. I I just don't understand it, Ellie. I don't understand how that hatch fella come to get killed. Oh, never mind, never mind. Farthest thing from my mind was killing. You know that? Yes. I, I seen that knife go into Helton. I seen it. Didn't I? You said so. Because if I didn't see it, then I done wrong. I done wrong, but I done the only thing I could do. Oh, I can't figure this out. Oh, go to sleep, go to sleep. I had to kill him. I don't remember killing him, but he deserved killing. There wasn't nothing I could have said to him. He wouldn't listen to me. Dirty yellow-livered hound, coming round after an innocent man, ruining a family, never did nobody no harm. I had to kill him, and I had to. Ellie! Oh, no! Oh, Ellie. Ellie, what is it? Light the lamp. Arthur! Herbert! Oh, Ellie. Ellie, now you stop that. I hear Ma scream. Ma! What'd you do to her? Nothing. Nothing. All of a sudden. No, no. She's scared. She's scared to death. What did you do to her? I didn't touch her. With your mustard. Oh, Ellie. Ellie, get away from me. You come near and I'll blow your heart out. Well, Arthur, I'm your paw. More's a pity. Boy, you young whelp. I can still beat the stuffing out of you. Go on, try it. That's right up your line, isn't it? Oh, Arthur, don't 
Don't. Mama. Mama. Art, look at her. She's fainting. Get the ammonia. Get it yourself. I'm not going to leave you go here. Go on, Art. Go on. I'll stay. Mm. Ma. Ma, don't die. Don't die. Oh, Herbert, you cut you out that shut up. Uh, Mama. Herbert. Well, take it easy, Ma. You're going to be all right. Uh, it's nothing. Now, don't you worry. You're nervous. Yes, you now. Oh, now she's fainted again. Give me that bottle, Art. Boys, I, I, I reckon I'll ride over and get the doctor. Don't look like all this fainting's a good sign. All right, go on. Go now. You, you keep watch till I get back, huh? I, I'm going now. Don't you boys get any notions in your head. I never did your mother any harm in my life. Well, look after her. You hear me? Is he out? I think so. Oh, gee, Art, Shut I... up. Where's that ammonia? Here, Ma. Take it easy. It's all right, Ma. Everything's all right. Your father. What... What happened? What, nothing, Ma. Pa's going for the doctor. Uh, no need for no doctor. Just lie still, Ma. Funny. I must have been dreaming. I thought I heard Mr. Hilton up playing on his harmonica like he used to do. <laughs> he ain't there, Ma. Nobody's there. Mr. Hilton. Was a good man. Your father. He's a good man too. Don't want you boys thinking any different. Oh sure, Ma. The doctor will be here pretty soon. He told the truth. He must have told the truth. He wouldn't lie. I'll go. What? What is it? What was it? Just take it easy, Ma. Everything's going to be all right. Mr. Thompson was down at the end of the second field. The shotgun was laying alongside him. And there was a note he'd written. Before Almighty God, I do hereby solemnly swear that I did not take the life of Mr. Homer T. Patch on purpose. It was done in defense of Mr. Hilton. I did not aim to hit him with the axe, but only to keep him off, Mr. Hilton. It was my belief at the time that Mr. Hatch would have taken the life of Mr. Hilton if I did not interfere. I have told all this to the judge and the jury, and they let me off, but nobody believes it. 
This is the only way I can prove I'm not a cold-blooded murderer, like everybody seems to think. I'd done the only thing there was to do. The next line he'd written, my wife, and then he'd scratched it out. It was Mr. Homer T. Patch who came to do wrong to a harmless man. He caused all this trouble and he deserved to die. But I'm sorry it was me who had to kill him. So that's the way it was. Folks are being kind now. I reckon you have to go on living some way. But that tune... They said it was about a man drinking up all his noon wine. He felt so good in the morning. If only that tune wouldn't keep running in my head. The curtain falls on the fourth of five programs in which the NBC University Theater is bringing you radio plays based on great American stories. Tonight, Catherine Ann Porter's Noon Wine, as adapted for radio by Clarice A. Ross, has starred Beulah Bondi as Ellie Thompson with John Beale as Mr. Thompson. Lou Merrill was Mr. Hatch. Beulah Bondi may soon be seen in the Walt Disney feature... So dear to my heart. Tonight's cast included Jerry Farber, Mac Twomley, Russ Thorson, John Lake, Earl Lee, Ted Von Eltz, Clark Gordon, Bert Holland, and Georgia Backus. Our thanks to Mr. Clifton Fetterman, literary critic and master of ceremonies of information, please, for his comments on our story. orchestra was conducted by Henry Russell, who composed original music based on the Swedish folk song, Hail and Gore, for our play. The production was directed by Andrew C. Love. We invite you to listen next week to the NBC University Theater when we present a play based on Ellen Glasgow's The Romantic Comedians. Productions of the NBC University Theater are currently being used in conjunction with a course in American fiction under a college-by-radio plan at the University of Louisville.
This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for joining us and enjoying our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Please remember to leave us a review and to follow us for frequent releases.